Well, good morning, Village Church. I'm Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at the Village, and it's always a great uh, time gathering together on Sunday to, to worship, to sing, to praise Jesus for who he is and what he's done. This morning is a particularly great morning uh, for me, for us as a church family. Pastor Aaron Sellers, his wife Chris, and their family are here with us this morning. And uh, yeah, you can welcome them. Um, pastor Aaron was a pastor here for more years than I can count, I think, but you probably know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. A long time. And, um, and Aaron is, uh, is a good friend and co-laborer in the gospel. Aaron has been a very, very faithful pastor and elder. And that faithfulness has, has led he and his family to Vermont. And the faithful work that they're doing there is incredible. And this morning you're going to get to see a video of something called the Village Green Collective, a collective of churches that is going to plant churches that is and it will be planting churches in rural Vermont and that whole area of the country. And there's so much more I should probably let you say, but um, I just wanted to welcome Pastor Aaron, introduce him. For many of you who are new to our church in this past season, uh, the sellers are not new to the Village family, and we're glad they're here to open God's Word this morning with us. So Aaron, thank you. Yeah, love you, brother. All right, we're going to have a scripture reading, and then uh, we're going to pick up our series here in the book of Acts uh, with the church in Berea. Good morning. This morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing, as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Connie. Well, good morning, Village Church. It is good to be back here worshiping with you this morning. Here in New England, we have big pulpits. It's like this wide and this deep. It's really hard to move by yourself, but I do try from time to time. Uh, and I, I really did want to come wearing my rainbow sandals because it's warm here, but I know that that is not the preferred attire for preaching. So, but it is so good to be here worshiping you with you this morning. Um, back in 2005, uh, a couple weeks after my wife and I got married, I found myself uh, in a random seminary class. Uh, I didn't know anything about the class, but I was required to take it. We were living up by Biola at the time. Uh, and my professor, he seemed like a normal guy. Uh, this guy named Matt Kaiser. And he was a pastor down here in Irvine and he cared for the people in his class. He taught the scriptures. I knew a few people who were at the church. And so uh, 17 years ago, we came to New Harvest Community Church and we never left. We love this church. It eventually would become the village church. It was here where we were directed to a life devoted to declaring the truth about Scripture, 
and the gospel delighting in Jesus and all that he does for us while mutually displaying the life of Jesus to each other and to the world around us. If to, in 2008, if you would have asked me if we would have ever left the Village Church, I would have said it was a stupid question. We loved being here. This is family. This is a place where we stay. And uh, if you would ask the other elders, they would be first to tell you that I was probably the one that got most upset when people would leave. But God started in 2019 to pull up some roots in our lives. God started to work on my heart to bring up things that we had considered in the past and things that he had in, inclined our hearts to of a desire to go overseas, an affection towards proclaiming the gospel, a, a, a desire to shepherd sheep without a shepherd. And the frontier mission field of the United States came to mind in New England. And so I asked my wife, Kristen, about 10 years prior, would you ever consider this, knowing that there was a need there? And her immediate response at the time was, no, it's cold. <laughs> and so God kept bringing these things up, and I would ask her again and again, and she would give me the same response. It's cold. But God kept tugging at my heart. He kept reminding me of things, and eventually those statements turned from it's cold to, well, who am I to say that I wouldn't pray about actually doing something? And so we shared it with the elders, we shared it with some friends, and those thoughts moved to, well, who am I to say we wouldn't potentially go? And so in March 2020, it might bring up some PTSD for many of you, we went to Cornerstone Church in South Royalton, Vermont, this church that had been faithfully living the gospel, proclaiming the gospel to each other, and they were in need of a pastor. And after a long day of meetings, we were driving back. Kristen had fallen asleep in the car, and about two miles north of where we live right now, I was asking God, God, what do you want me to do? We tried to leave Irvine many times. Many of you know our story, but every time God closed the door, and it dawned on me that this might have been the first time that I actually asked God, what do you want me to do? As opposed to just following his revealed will in scripture. And while I was driving, I was reminded of Paul's call to Macedonia that David preached on a couple weeks ago. The words, come and help us, came to mind. And I soon realized that the words, come and help us, were the same words that had been repeated over and over and over again in meetings we had just left. God was calling us, and that's where we went. So we love Cornerstone. Cornerstone has loved us very well, and God is growing our, deeps, our, our roots deep in the gospel and in scripture and in our town, and that's our quick story. And I think today's passage actually helps to walk us through uh, a sweet time of reflection for me as God called us to Vermont but I think providentially that God wants you, Village Church, to be reminded of how he leads you through scripture, through prayer, through God's people, and also through your circumstances. And so I trust it will guide us all this morning. So as we jump back into the text, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this morning, this opportunity to be here with these people we love. 
God, would you speak through me? Would you encourage our hearts? Would you help us to worship you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week you saw that the, as you're continuing in the book of Acts that the gospel is continuing to move forward and persecution is starting to happen. And so the gospel has left Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and it's making its way to the ends of the earth. It's currently, the mission is in Greece. You follow the outline that we've seen in the book of Acts, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this church has become alive, but with persecution, it doesn't always look like it's alive. And we see this persecution in verse 10 as this church sends Paul away for the first time to a town called Berea. Will you look with me in verse 10? It says, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. If you're familiar with the book of Acts as you've been walking through it, you see that God sends his people away in many different ways throughout the book. You have a direct call of God on Peter to Cornelius. Or you have visions that I mentioned before where Paul says, or where God calls uh, Paul to go to Macedonia. But most frequently in the book of Acts, and you're going to see that a lot more as you continue in your study, God sends his people out via persecution. I do feel like when we arrived and I got on the freeway that the freeway was persecuting us, but we did not go to Vermont because of persecution. But what I do know is that anybody leaving, anybody moving, anybody directed to another location is under the providential hand of God. Providence, as Pastor John Piper has defined it in his recent book, says his purposeful sovereignty by which he will be completely successful in the achievement of his ultimate goal for the universe. Or more succinctly, his wise and purposeful sovereignty. Where Paul was directed with Silas by God's providential hand to go to a town called Berea. It's about a 50 mile journey from where they were in Thessalonica, which is about three hours, I'm realizing again around here. And Cicero, the Roman statement called Berea, an out-of-the-way town. That's where we live. Our town in South Royalton, Vermont, is 2,500 people. I think Jeff's got a photo. My high school had more people than that when I was uh, attending there. It's a quaint town more known for the opening scenes of Uh, the TV show Gilmore Girls. Uh, None of our town residents actually know what the TV show is because it's more cool to watch it on TV than to actually live it. And we have a small town green surrounded uh, by shops and a church that my friend pastors, the post office, the train station, uh, and that's about it. Other than a breakfast spot I take my kids to every Friday morning. We're more known for what we are not, like Berea, an out-of-the-way town. We don't have a grocery store. It's 25 minutes away in another state. Restaurants are often closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, or all winter, or just any day that the owner doesn't want to come to work that day. 
you have to go two towns over to find a traffic light and a hospital. But our town green is where our town gathers, our neighbors gathers. We have parades for 4th of July. We have 9-11 memorials. We have town bands that come in and sing bluegrass. And uh, we surround it. And there's a coffee shop there and a brewery where we, you know, people in our town will gather. If you visited our town, you would go to the town green. But if you visit Berea, like Paul, you would go to the synagogue where the religious and political life happens within the town, especially for the Jewish people. And it's here in this synagogue where Paul meets some significant people. We see in verse 11, if you want to continue with me in the text. It says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. These Jews, as Luke records, were more noble than those that Paul had interacted with in Thessalonica. And they were more noble for three reasons, Luke records. The first was that they were more noble because they received the word with eagerness. The the things that Paul was teaching them, they received those things with eagerness. Imagine if I came here, and some of you know us, some of you don't. And I started to pontificate about the things of Vermont, like maple syrup only comes from maple trees in the state of Vermont. Or summer in California has nothing compared to where we live, where it's the Garden of Eden, where in summer you see every shade of green as vibrant as you see every shade of yellow and orange and red in the fall. Who doesn't love the idea of living in Vermont. And you could receive those words eagerly, but there's more. What about winter? (laughs) Skiing in the powder is awesome, but when your pipes freeze, which I got a call last night that some had, you get stuck at the bottom of your driveway because your driveway is frozen, or you fall in your driveway because you slipped on the ice or you step off the deck and your boot fills with snow because it's two feet high. There's more to it than all the fun of the other three seasons of year. And so it takes careful deliberation maybe for you to consider, do I actually want to go visit? And to examine the weather, you need a full understanding of the weather and a farmer's almanac is a great tool. For that. Winter is hard, which is why we came here this week in February. But to these Bereans, what Paul is saying is great, but they need the full counsel of God to determine if what Paul is saying is actually true. Paul was one of them. He was one of their teachers. He had credibility in the things that he had said. But these Bereans used the scripture to evaluate if what this brother is saying is actually true. They were noble because they received the words of Paul eagerly. But they were also noble because they examined the scriptures daily, which is uh, Luke's second reason. Day by day, they examined God's word. For as long as Paul was there, they examined the scriptures to make sure that his words aligned with the Bible. They probably heard the same message that Paul shared with the brothers in Thessalonica. 
about Christ's suffering, his being raised, his kingship. But as opposed to rejecting it like those people did in Thessalonica, they went to God's word to see if there was alignment and it matched up. They received Paul's message, but they wanted to make sure that it was aligned with God's word. So friends, every day we are presented with opportunities to examine the messages that we hear with God's word. One of my favorite things participating here, and I see the sign out there, is the Bible reading plan that we got to participate here at the village. Growing together, evaluating the scriptures together, texting a friend, hey, did you read this this morning in your Bible reading? And did you connect the dot to the passage that we had from the Old Testament to the New Testament or whatever? Here, Luke encourages that the searching of scriptures is a pattern for all believers. The Bible doesn't need to be rightfully explained from those who are up here or those who are teaching apprentice or those who are teaching your kids in the children's classrooms. You have pastors here at the village who desire to help you to understand God's word, to help you to apply it to your life appropriately because it's available and able to be understood by everyone. But to, to examine the messages that we hear, we must know God's word. Though it's church, you must know God's word to evaluate the messages that we hear. You must know God's word to examine it. You must have a life devoted to God's word. And like the early church, to apply it to your life. They didn't have extra copies of the Bible. They didn't have an iPhone or a website where they can, I think I remember what that verse said. I'll just go look it up. They had God's word and they memorized it. They meditated on it. They understood it enough through repetition so that they could go to it because they didn't all have a copy of God's word in this synagogue to evaluate things. But as the church got together, they got to remind each other of what God's word says. You might recall Acts 2.42. Early in your study of Acts, where the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. The life of the early church, they experienced life through God's word. And it made its way to these people in Berea where life comes by being devoted to God's word. It comes from being devoted to submitting to it as God's people together, to displaying and living the gospel together and a life devoted to apply it via prayer and application by the grace of God in your lives. And so when we are pressed with messages from the world or even within the church, we have God's word, friends, to stand on. And some things are good and easy to understand, like Sanctity of Life Sunday that you celebrated a few weeks ago. God loves life, so let's celebrate these things. But th some things, we need wisdom, right, of how to apply them in our context, in our culture, and to direct our steps. And so an example of this I learned, uh, last fall we celebrated as a church, uh, and you guys probably did too, Operation Christmas Child. One of our leaders, we were sitting in the sanctuary one weekday and she asked me, she's like, well, why can't we just move all the chairs out and do the packing party in the sanctuary? 
And pragmatic and selfish Aaron said, no. I didn't want to move the chairs because Matt would probably call me a hypocrite for telling him for 15 years to stop moving the chairs on a Sunday. But I was really just being lazy. And eventually we decided to do it. In the process, I opened my foot-shaped mouth and I said to this lady, well, you know that the most important thing we do on a Sunday as a church is not Operation Christmas Child. Let's just say I found the sacred cow in our church. She stormed off. She started crying. And I was like, I don't know what to do here. I could have left and I could have said, well, I'm the pastor. Let's just do what I say. It's not as important to do Operation Christmas Child as so many other things. But to help her, I had to walk downstairs. I had to open up God's word with her. I had to justify my words with what God's word said. And so we looked up a few verses. I showed her in the text and I encouraged her of what we do as a church that is most important to help her to understand what we do as a body of believers. And she agreed that Operation Christmas Child is important, but it's not the most important important thing we do. These Bereans as well were noble because they received God's word eagerly. They were noble because they examined the scriptures daily. And as verse 12 shows us, they were noble because they believed. Look at it with me. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. And so as a result of their receiving and examining the scriptures, God gave them eyes that were open, ears that were unstopped, and a heart to respond to the gospel. But that should be expected of those who diligently search the scriptures. When unbelievers are presented with the gospel, the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God saves them when they respond to it and they believe. Because as Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so God's providential hand directed these brothers from Thessalonica to Berea for the sake of opening God's word so that people would believe and could be saved. Paul continues in Romans 10 verse 14 says, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I thought I'd give you all a little bit of a history lesson of the village church. For those of you who might not have been here for very long, before the vision was to delight, declare, and display, it was declare, train, serve, plant. So I wanted to focus on plant for a second, where God has planted every one of us purposefully for the sake of telling others about Jesus, for sharing the gospel. So the the job that you have, the boss that you don't like, even the person in the cubicle who is annoying, that you're there to share the gospel with them because God has planted you there. The neighborhoods that you live in, The HOA people who complain about grass being too long or plants going over the fence. You are there in that neighborhood to 
share the gospel with those folks. Or the sports teams that your kids are on, or the gyms that you go to, or the stores that you shop at, the coffee shops that you go to. You are in those places for the sake of sharing the gospel with these people. That God has planted you there for a purpose. Last night, we got to hang out with some of our old neighbors. Some of you from the church came and joined us as well. We went to a pizza place that we love. We know the owners. We were able to bless them. We were able to go over to their house afterwards. And our purpose of doing that, not was just to go see them, to hang out with them, to love them, but it was to share the gospel with them again. Because not many of them are Christians. Apparently, we came back because God wanted to plant us this week in their homes to share the gospel with them and to share the truths of Scripture with them again. Because how are they to believe unless someone is sent? God has planted you to bear witness to those in your circle of influence like he has planted us in South Royalton, Vermont. We get it all the time. Why did you come here? especially when we post pictures of the weather. Our desired response is we came to share the gospel with people who need to hear it. The good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And sometimes the relationship ends. As my son was getting a haircut and he, the lady asked him the other day, why'd you come here? Why'd you move from California? He says, well, my dad's a pastor in town. That was the last words that the lady asked him in the, uh, while she was cutting his hair. But sometimes the relationship continues and a friendship is built. And we can build on that friendship and continue to declare the gospel over and over to the people around us. God has planted us in Vermont, but he has planted you here in Irvine in Orange County for the sake of bearing witness about who he is and what he has done. And this doesn't always end up with a happy ending. A thing, uh, things took take a turn for the worse as we see in verse 13. It says, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul and Berea, also they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. And so that same zeal that the Berean Christians had for examining the scripture is a different type of zeal transformed to these people from Thessalonica. They Remember what Paul had done in Thessalonica and they wanted to stir up and agitate. They didn't like what Paul was doing because he was preaching the word. But for Paul, it was worth it. He says in the book of Colossians, a letter that he wrote in verse, chapter one, verse 24 to 26. It says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. And so there was nothing lacking in the effectiveness of Christ's work on the cross for us. What was lacking was Christ's physically displayed before this Colossian church to display the sacrifices of Christ. And so Paul was filling up what is this, the afflictions of Christ that were lacking because Christ wasn't there by displaying the afflictions himself to the Colossians church, but also to this Berean church. 
Paul manifested to them what this suffering for Christ is and displaying the gospel. And I love the story of uh, in northern Germany. Peter might correct me on a couple of the details because I'll dig it as folklore. But some time ago, two Moravian missionaries, they were getting into boats, selling themselves into slavery to go bear witness to some slaves in the East Indies. And it was okay for them to never come back because they knew that these slaves in the West Indies needed to hear the gospel. And so as their boat was out in the harbor, they lifted up their hands and they shouted back to those whom they love, whom they left on the shore and said, may the lamb receive the reward for his suffering. These brothers would go to preach the gospel to these slaves because they knew that even in their suffering, like these Bereans, that unbelievers would come to believe by proclaiming the gospel. And sometimes living here in Orange County is hard, I get it. The grass may be greener somewhere else, but it's not always greener. I'm banking that I will eventually have some beachfront property after global warming takes over. But right now it's covered in two feet of snow. We miss living here in Irvine. Having a two mile radius to do everything we need to do is nice. We hosted a youth group event on Halloween. We had people drive over an hour from three states because they desperately wanted community and fellowship for their kids. And it's a joy to watch God move, but it's still hard. Paul suffered a lot in his ministry. He knew what it meant to suffer. And Paul recounts his trials, and you'll encounter most of the, or a lot of these in the book of Acts in the coming weeks in 2 Corinthians 11, if you want to look those up later. But in 2 Corinthians 12, he says this in verse 9. He says, my grace, but he said to me, referring to God, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In Berea, it became dangerous for Paul. But the church, they cared for him. They protected him by sending him away. Look with me at verse 14 and follow along. It says, the brother, Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. The church saw that Paul was in danger, so they gave him a gospel goodbye. Sometimes a gospel goodbye is like our situation. We are for you, we believe this is good for you, so we want to send you away. Sometimes you're going to die if you stay here, so we're going to send you away. In this church, though, they were fine because they had Silas and Timothy who could stay with them. And so God's providential hand continues to move Paul to the ends of the earth. His sovereign wisdom moves Paul out of the small town of Berea, not for greener grass, but for more gospel proclamation. Some of you will leave the village church eventually. 
and some of you will stay here forever. And both are awesome. One of my elders, he's become a very good friend. We come back next week and we have one more Sunday with him. He wanted to, he felt called to pastor a church and a church in Maine called him to come and shepherd them. It's going to be sad for our church. It's going to be sad for our family. When his family leaves, our, I think our attendance will go down 10%. We'll send him away though because we love God. The people of Maine need faithful pastors like Tyler Walden to shepherd them to lead them, to care for them. There's going to be another outpost of the gospel and the kingdom of God doing damage to the kingdom of darkness. And it's not easy, but it's worth it. When Paul left Berea, he wasn't planning a summer vacation. He wasn't going to Expedia and looking which cruise ships were available. I'm sure it was in haste, so the one with the slide out the back was already booked. There were people that he probably didn't get to say goodbye to. But it was worth it, and you'll see it in the next week. It wasn't a vacation for him to go walk the streets of Athens, to go take pictures at the Parthenon, to post it online, to get a bunch of likes. It was an opportunity for more gospel proclamation, but also more suffering. And the church, they cared for Paul by sending him away to preserve his life so that life could be given towards others. And this life comes through the proclamation of the gospel. And this church trusted that Paul would maintain faithfulness to the call that God had on his life. This church in Berea, as we've seen, is alive. It doesn't say they consulted the scriptures like it does in verse 11. They loved their brother and they sent him away. Trusting God's providential hand, his wise sovereignty, and they knew God's word and they trusted God's faithfulness to his word. But they also trusted Paul would continue to be submitted to the call on his life. Paul submitted to these brothers and he left. And God takes Paul to Athens, which you'll look at more closely next week, I believe. But as we wrap up, let's look at verse 15. It says, those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens and as after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. God used the men steering this ship to direct Paul to the city of Athens. And Athens sets the stage for the most important city in the Greek country. Athens sets the stage. It's the language that they speak. You, we all know the history of Athens. Paul is now going to the cultural center of the world. He's leaving the small town of Berea to go to the influential city of Athens. And if you've been around the village for a while, you've probably heard the elders talk about approaching a path in life and making a decision. Like the Bereans, they start with God's word. Diligently search it, study it. Meditate on it, memorize it, apply it to your life. And then you move on to prayer. After you've read the Bible, you submit to God in prayer. You respond to God. You ask him, how do you want me to respond? Worship him for the things that he's revealed to you in scripture. And after scripture and prayer, ask fellow Christians, ask brothers and sisters in this room, your elders, 
Seek their counsel, seek their admonishment, listen to their advice and their guidance. If the elders would have said, Aaron, Kristen, we don't think you should go to Vermont, we would have stayed. And after you've received or searched God's word, you've responded in prayer, you've considered fellow Christians and the counsel that they have given you, look at your circumstances. You may have good reason to stay. You may have good reasons to go. But be assured that God is sovereign over it all. So you can make a decision. Paul ended up in Athens. We ended up in a small town called South Royalton, Vermont. There are many churches needing faithful shepherds by us. One in our next town just called a pastor last weekend. They searched for two years and they only got like five applicants, not the hundreds that churches here would get. New England needs people to lead the church. If you want to come spend the summer with us, we have an extra bedroom and we would love to host you if you're interested. Athens has influence like the big city by us is Boston. Maybe you should stay here. Maybe you should go to a small town like South Royalton. But Boston, just like South Royalton, has people who need to hear the gospel. And so you're doing good work here in Irvine. Trust God's providential hand that as you remain faithful to his word and continue to proclaim the gospel, that he will bring about fruit. And so as you consider how God might be directing you, think it's be cautious about the typical way that decisions are made. Often it's, well, I don't like these circumstances. I like that circumstance. So I'm just going to make a decision and go do it. I should probably find someone who agrees with my decision, who will give me a rubber stamp and say, well, it's okay, but, you know, I got to be a Christian, so I got to say at least I prayed about it. And then I can go find some random scripture passage that says I need to move to Philadelphia in Revelation, and so I'll justify that decision. Friends, the Village Church and your elders, they care for you. Your elders here would love to walk through these life decisions with you. Our decision, it ended up in Vermont. And as I've been meditating recently, as a friend encouraged me, 1 Thessalonians 5.24, as Paul's finishing up this letter, he says, he who calls you, referring to God, is faithful. He will surely do it. A few months back, recall when you were in Acts chapter 9 of God's call on Paul's life. God said this of Paul, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Village Church, we are called to faithfulness. But God is faithful to us, but most importantly, he's faithful to himself. And so we can leave the fruit up to God. We live in the most unchurched area of our country. I know every church in our town and every town boarding us. And I also know all of their attendance. We live in our area with less than 2% Christian.
Christians. It's like Saudi Arabia around us. It's hard ground, but it's the ground that we get to work in. We don't know if we'll see much fruit in our time there, but we are called to be faithful. And I remind myself often of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 3. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. I like to add that maybe we'll die there and become fertilizer because he can use that too. Village Church, you are called to faithfulness as well. Irvine is an influential city. And I'm not sure if people around us lie when I say we're from Irvine, but they do know the TV shows from Orange County. Village Church, you have influence. You have influence here. You have influence around the world. I know where many of you work. You have influence to push back against the darkness. God has you here for a reason. And that's some good news this morning in light of the good news. God is faithful to himself, but also to you. And you can be assured of that by his word and by each other. God will accomplish his purposes because he is faithful. He will finish it. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are faithful to yourself. God, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in your word. God, we thank you for calling us out of darkness and transferring us to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of your beloved son. And so God, would you help us to remain faithful to the call on our lives to declare who you are and what you've done to the world around us, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the places you go, would you give us eyes to see a lost and dying world and a heart of compassion and mercy to give them what they most desperately need is a right relationship with you, only accomplished through the gospel, the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God, we thank you and we praise you. Would you be honored in the rest of our time together? In Jesus' name, 